is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before. Welcome back to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. My name is Lori Gregory, and I have the good fortune of having the opportunity each week to speak with Andy Wakefield. And Andy, it's so great to be back after we've had a little bit of a hiatus. We have one of our men went down, and he's back up, or hopefully back up. Uh, and working, but uh, we are back with you, and um, hopefully from this point forward, things will run as smoothly as they possibly can. Absolutely, and of course, we give a shout out to Tom Schmitz, who is our trusted, loyal podcast editor. He's a, a very experienced radio guy, and Tom, we're so happy you're on the mend. He had to have emergency back surgery, and he is definitely on the mend. I know he's on the mend because he's been bugging me for the podcast for the past 36 hours, so... We'll be sending this over to him. And we're so lucky today, Andy, because we have someone who really ignited the supernova with you that became Vax. Why don't you introduce our guest for this week? Absolutely. An old friend of mine, Polly Tommy. Polly came over from England, uh, where she was the founder and the editor, the senior editor of the original Autism File magazine in the garden the shed at the bottom of her garden created this phenomenon, which was at the time the the biggest selling magazine in the world, autism magazine. Oh, definitely autism magazine. Yeah, it just I don't know. Yeah, it was crazy. The days before we really had everything on the internet. Yeah, it was when people still got mail, read things on paper, <laughs> and uh, it was a wonderful thing. And I got drawn into that because I gave Holly an interview when I was going through the sort of depths of all the dastardly things that were happening to me in the UK. And I didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Polly, tell, tell them about the interview. Well, when I first interviewed yeah, you. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I concept, my husband came back from a conference and said, there's this guy called Andy Wakefield, Dr. Wakefield, and he's saying everything that happened to our child. And you've got to interview for the magazine. So I contacted Andy and he gave me an interview and I went over to his house. And I, every question I asked him, Laurie, he said, I can't answer that, I'm not allowed to answer that, I'm not allowed to answer that. And I, in the end, I said, is there anything that we even can speak about? And he was going up and down, walking, do you mind me telling you? What no, please. No, he was walking up and down the kitchen like a caged animal with his head down. He was pacing up and down. Was, I've never seen such stress. And, um, and luckily, uh, Carmel came in at the time and rescued the interview because we had, I had to ask him questions like, if you were to have a dinner party... Who would you like to have there? Because literally, that was all he was allowed to answer. Now, but, give us, a, give us a, some context, Polly, for those who know, you know, Andy's story. What is this? What point in time is this that this is going on? What year, you mean? Yeah, is this like after the Lancet? Is this before? Is after is the Lancet was published. GMC but, time. Yeah, GM, when GMC the gentleman time. Okay. Was going on, yeah. yeah, and you actually stayed with us for a bit um, because in the I had to take him to Starbucks and we just sort of cooking nice food and look after him because he was you were in a bit of a bad way. I mean, you were. I went to the gyms. I went and sat in some of those GMC hearings, and I can tell you this: the it looked like a scene from Hogwarts. They looked like wizards, and one of them was pretty much asleep. I would say, do you remember? Remember, there was a man there who just was never awake, and then there was this <laughs> ghastly woman who we called Cruella. And she was always on one leg. I don't know where the other leg was. It must have been resting on a... I mean, it was a comedy scene. And those wizards and witches, they're the people that basically made a decision that was not um, a decision on behalf of any of the 
people in our movement. So we don't buy it, we don't accept it, and it was a big farce. And so I can say this. This. Is, this is so interesting, Polly, because you had a front row seat in what obviously became a historic moment, right? You had his, history unfolding before you. You obviously were a part of it. That I can't even imagine what kind of pressure and what kind of state that must have left you in, Andy. Um, but did you did you know at the time? Oh my gosh, this is his, this is history happening, or was it just all happening? unwinding before you without you really realizing what was what this was going to mean for the future i didn't really know what it was i was trying to take it one day at a time and every day you'd walk i was cross-examined or examined and cross-examined for a total of 19 days which was a record at the time for the general medical council and it was hostile cross-examination so every day you would walk from where I was staying to the General Medical Council. And it was like sort of walking to your execution. It was like the Green Mile every morning. It was, it was, it was not good. And it was, yeah, it was not a good thing. But actually, you know, interestingly, in the case, when I was being examined and cross-examined, I really enjoyed it. There was an element of theatre to it. And because our case was so solid, was so good, that... It, I quite actually got to the point where I quite enjoyed it. And I remember one morning, I was, what, Sally Smith, who was the Cruella de Ville, Cruella de Ville, she was the lead counsel for the prosecution. She would ask a question in the different ways, nine different times, and you would give her an answer. So she would say, Are you, do you mean to tell us, Dr. Wakefield? And I would say no. And she'd say, are you saying that? And I would say no. And she said, it's extraordinary that you could. And, and it just went on. And she articulated the same question, trying to get me to give a different answer. And that, that's, and what they, that's what they do. Roger well, Stone. They do. And Carmel right said to me one morning, she said, yeah. you should do what Margaret Thatcher did in her cross-examination in the House of Commons when she was the prime minister. You say, when this goes on, you stay... I refer you to my previous answer. Yeah. So at a point where she'd asked me about five or six times the same question articulated a different way, I said, I refer you to my previous answer. And that just shut her up completely. She stopped and moved on. It was, it was like magic. I thought, it's, it's, he, he was so calm throughout. So I remember sitting in the, whatever you call it, gallery or wherever people sit. And I, the same woman was in quite a, quite a few days. And I asked her, you know, why she was there. Did she have a vaccinated child? And she said, no, I just absolutely adore his voice. Because <laughs> you couldn't see Andy. We just saw his back the whole time. And she said, I have never heard such a beautiful voice. So it was extraordinary type of people. Because not many people could get in there. There was only a limited amount of seats. Sure. But this woman who loved his voice just came and sat and listened. Well, if that's not an endorsement for you're made for doing a podcast, I don't know what is. We should have started one for you way back then. But, you know, that had to have been such an intense time, Polly. Did you feel the gravity of the situation at the time or was it, did you guys know what was happening or was it just a, a series of unbelievable, you know, examination and cross-examination or whatever it was that went on and on? Did you have the sense that, wow, this is actually going to end up being something really important or was it just sort of let's just get through it and we'll process it later? I think it was devastating for the parents because many of the parents just, they needed, they needed Andy 
to, to win and they knew that he should have won. You know, I mean, it was, everything was right and true. What happened to our children? What happened to Andy? And so it was, it was the beginning in, for us of the unraveling of this evil. And when, you, when we're sitting in where we are sitting now, in this day and year, it, everything makes sense. It had to be for us to be where we are now and for this mm -hmm. to end. And, right. um, and, you, and you really go back, it starts with what happened to Andy and from the parents' point of view, it starts with our children being injured, then what happened to Andy? And this is part of the story of the corruption of, of, of people that are brave like Andy that speak out and what's happened to our children. So, you know, it's right. What was striking about it is that they made up their minds from the very beginning. The whole thing was a farce. It was contrived because they'd already gone in with an instruction from the government. This is the result we want. We've got to destroy yeah, Andy, it. give us just like a two sentence backstory for those who don't know the GMC hearing. This is what we're talking about. Can you just give them a. This was a where three, three scientists, three physician scientists working on uh, leading the research on vaccines, autism, and the gut disease in children uh, back in the 90s, 95 onward, um, were prosecuted effectively by our regulatory body, the medical regulatory body in the UK, the General Medical Council, the equivalent of a state medical board over here, but a federal or national organization. And um, we were accused gross medical misconduct, you know, violation of children's rights and privileges, exploitation of children, uh, scientific and medical misconduct, and it went on and on and on. And it became quite clear that everything we did was in the children's interests and for their medical well-being. We got to the end of it, and my lawyer, my counsel, senior counsel, Kieran Coonan, said, on the basis of the evidence so far that's been presented in this hearing, there is absolutely no way that they can find you guilty. You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield podcast. To continue the conversation, go to 1986theact.com slash membership, where for $5 a month, you can subscribe and access the Andy Wakefield podcast in its entirety and much more. Thank you.